I actually think it's important to get it the right way around here. So there, there obviously is uh, black anti-blackness and brown anti-blackness, but that is a symptom of what's been going on for a few decades, which is an attempt to redefine what racism is. So, you know, we all know that racism is about power structures and it, you know, it's about who dominates who and stuff. But over the last few decades, there's been a really concerted attempt to make racism mean someone being horrible about someone with different skin color. And it, it's so widespread now that you, you often, you, you can just hear conversations where black people call other black people racist um, just for saying something rude, which, you know. And so I think that the, the pushing forward of the sort of anti-black voices, um, while obviously it's, it's not for me to, to talk about there, but from a white point of view, I think that's a symptom of how white society has tried to redefine what racism is. Do you, yeah. do, you think that's, do you think that's sorry? Do you think that's something more deeper to do with an idea of integration being abandoned and um, assimilation being promoted? So, in order in order to be, uh, you know, a functioning member of society, you have to be assimilated into what is the existing paradigm, as opposed to people integrating with different views and different sort of cultures. I completely agree with that because you can see what's happened to the Muslim community. And one reason it's been picked on so much is that it's fantastically integrated, but it's got its own really strong identity. And that's not good enough for the system. The system really wants to smash that identity. Um, I don't know if, um, if that's what happened with the black community or if the black community still has its own distinct identity, but certainly in the Muslim community, it's, it's not, they've got to be crushed. By by the system until they just become like us, until they assimilate. I think the Caribbean community, for sure, yeah, something that is held up and they will talk about how we actually used against the Muslim community a lot, especially in Birmingham, there was quite a lot of tension between the two communities, um, but not that much, because apparently the, the most common mix in Birmingham is half Asian, half black, so some of us are okay. But I mean, it's like, but there is, it is a lot of, with Caribbean people, like you could see from the doc, I don't know if anyone saw the documentary Subnormal the other day, how black people were treated and were taught like we were stupid and stuff like that. Then when Asian people came and like you said, had had a strong identity, especially with it, when it's a religious identity, us assimilating and speaking English, which I didn't recognize as English before, behave yourself, little girl. And um, all of that was very much weaponized against the Muslim community, for sure. Um, yeah, Ed, sorry, you're going to say something. Well, just to, to kind of uh, add a little bit to what Holly was saying about kind of weaponizing people's, uh, I mean, in case of what's going on in Twitter, weaponizing people's kind of blackness against um, fighting racism. So one of the things that we're seeing now is, is you find somebody, if you've been racist, you find somebody from whoever you're, you've been racist against, you find somebody from that community um, who's, who agrees with you um, and you put them at the front and they're now, as, as is happening with the current Twitter situation, these people who care so much about anti-racism are now all hiding behind a black woman and shifting the whole argument, the entire argument about months and months of abuse, about one or two tweets directed at this one black woman who's supposed to be their comrade and supposed to be supporting them and she's now taking all the heat and all the fire for all of them, for everything and they've all pushed her out in front. And that's their anti-racism, that's their solidarity, is getting a black woman to take all the heat for their racism. Exactly, exactly. And it's just been really horrifying yeah. to watch. Enough. We will talk about the Twitter thing now, because I just wanted to put that thing in place. Oh, thank you. 
I just want you to put that in place because um, at least people remember you from last time. So off you go. Do you remember Ed last time and she jumped and went, boring! <laughs> out. Um, so, <laughs> out. You do it so often you don't even remember the time. Out. Um, yeah, so I did want to bring that up. But the reason I wanted to bring the black-brown thing up is because it is something that has been used within the Twitter argument. Does anyone want to talk about the Twitter argument carefully? Can I just say that I have... The majority of us are not really heavily involved in this argument on Twitter, are we? We're just sort of sidelines. Maybe something will get sent our way and we'll dip in, we'll dip out. I did ask uh, people who were involved in it, because it has been going on for a couple of months now, and um, none of them agreed to be here. I understand like a lot of black women didn't want to come here um, because they are being doxxed, basically. They've had their children put online. They've had stuff like that put online. And um, they had felt the need uh, to sort of protect themselves a bit more. Uh, you know, some of it's been pretty heavy going. It's been very, very heavy going to watch. Do you know what I mean? So I do understand why they didn't want to come along and, and speak and put themselves on camera. As for the other side of the Twitter argument, um, who will identify as socialists and left-wing, and the majority of them are white, but not all of them, um, they were asked to come along and they simply didn't answer. So does anyone want to quickly explain what's going on? Um, I've, I've been explaining, one of the things you have to do is you, keep, you have to keep explaining to everyone what's been going on because it's so, yeah. um, the, the short answer is um, two accounts uh, associated with uh, a supposed anti-fascist group have been abusing a group of mainly black women with racist, ableist abuse, doxing children uh, and attacking anybody who supports them for weeks. Um, because they're linked to a uh, supposed anti-fascist group, they got um, solidarity from some high-level left-wing Twitter accounts briefly, then withdrawn, but without really acknowledging that they've made a huge mistake. So not only were these women getting weeks of abuse from, from these supposed anti-fascist racist kind of trolling accounts, but then large sections of the left on Twitter were then also accusing them of, of bad faith and bullying and, you know, all those the stereotypes about black women being aggressive, being, all that sort of thing. And that's been going on and on and on. People have joined that. Um, there's been all, all sorts of, I've, they've threatened to send neo-Nazis to my house. Um, today I was being called a paedophile and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm on the side of this. It's not really, uh, there's other people who are getting this continuously. There's been emails have been shared, horrific racist photos sent to people's email addresses, uh, trying to uh, hunt down people's workplaces and all sorts of things. It's just been going on, on and on and on. Uh, and people on the left are still standing with these these accounts arguing about whether sending banana emojis to black women is racist or not and arguing about you know the, whether a, a black person sending a coconut emoji to another black person is racist or not and and making them equivalent so somebody will react angrily after months of abuse and then that's equivalent to to the months of abuse they've been getting they're the same thing because we've got a, a, you sent one angry thing um compared to months of abuse that's the kind of long and short of it for some reason uh, large socialist accounts are standing by incredibly incredible racists. I think because a lot of large socialist accounts are racists, so it makes sense oh, they stand oh. by what they are. Well, they are though, honestly, they are. I think we need to just go back to what Tony said earlier because this is what the problem is, isn't there? Like people, a lot of people on the left think that racism is name calling. They think it is using the M word, using the P word, um, they think it's that kind of direct racism that they can see and recognize 
What they don't recognize is the many other ways that it does show itself and the way, you know, that people suffer under racism, stereotyping, microaggressions. Listen, a guy was just uh, sentenced, okay? It was all over the newspapers. There was a white guy in a pub in a Weatherspoons who ordered a banana from the bar and sent it over to a black guy. Black footballers have had bananas thrown at them since the beginning of time. The banana is a racist symbol, okay? And irrespective, this is the point where I don't understand. So I think, Abby, you've gone. Hello? He's had a remix. <clears throat> Why this got to this. If there's something, can you hear me? No, the, the Daleks got you. The Daleks got you. Oh, so we're, okay, we're going to have to... Okay, just to say what I was saying. Um, I think that people think that racism just has to be this overt N-word, P-word, and that's it. There's no other type of racism whatsoever. And what I'm saying is, so I speak about the banana thing. I don't know if that was Dalek-y, but I was just doing the history of the banana. Black people be called monkeys and gorillas and apes and... Don't forget, being put in zoos not long ago in Belgium, the last Belgian zoo, human zoo, was in the 40s. This is where they had black uh, black people, where white people would come along, feed them bananas and take photos of them and stuff like we were some kind of animal. So there's history behind that. That is a weighted symbol. If you send that to a black person, that is there's weight behind that everybody knows that now if you supposedly have a twitter account where you might send banana emojis to everybody oh good example of this was who remembers during lockdown with that artist who oh god i can't she's a white girl and she draws bananas all the time and i can't remember what do you remember mikey do you remember it she used to do no. portraits on bad bananas, right? Is that the girl? Yes! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, that girl, I would say, was innocent. Do you understand what I mean? Like, I don't understand where she grew up, what she didn't see or whatever, but she draws people... Oh, that's what she did. She draws bananas on pe people on bananas yeah. all the time, okay? Now, a banana picture of... I think it was Marcus Radford or Lewis Hamilton or whatever... It turned up in my timeline and I was like, what the hell is this? So this woman in all innocence, right, had said, oh, it's Black History Month. I draw people on bananas. So every day of Black History Month, I'm going to draw a black person on a banana, right? Which we're all going, oh my God, oh my. But that was innocent. Now to her credit, when it was pointed out to her, and the thing was, she did a lot of projects um, in Ethiopia, didn't she, as well? And we do have to, to, to <coughs> okay, this is what people don't. In terms of um, people suffering racism, the most awful people to be around when you want to talk about racism in this country is a black person that didn't grow up here. They don't get it. They do not understand. That's why I'm like, don't bring this person from, you know, who grew up in the heart of Jamaica to me, even though they've got colorism, don't bring it to me to tell me they don't have a problem with it because they don't understand it. They didn't grow up in this society. So obviously all the Ethiopian people she was working with didn't have a problem with it. They, they, it's not a thing in Ethiopia. So, you know, but she did say, 
oh my God, when it was pointed out to her, she just simply stopped doing it. Which is why I don't understand with this situation on Twitter, even if it was an account where you send a banana emojis out to people, you have a crossword with a black person who does not know you. What on earth do you expect yeah. them to think? And it's the doubling down of it that really I find so curious. And then it's like, uh, who was it, Holly, who mentioned Bain before? It's yes. like, you can't differentiate between different types of black people or Asian people. So you'll have someone come and go, well, they're using color and I'm Asian and I, I don't agree. It's like, you've got your own anti-blackness in your own community to deal with. Like we all have our own issues. Do you know what I mean? So you can't speak anti-black racism, as you can see in anti-Asian racism manifests itself in completely different ways. So like, if you look at the, uh, education uh, documentary that was on the other day, Subnormal, they spoke about it really being Caribbean kids who really suffered underneath that, you know, the, the labeling of calling us unruly and we can't speak English properly and whatever. Whereas with Asian people, they said, oh, they speak an actual other language. So they were supported in a different way, whereas black <laughs> people weren't, even though they're different ways that we have. One of the examples they gave, like in England, you'll call it, uh, a tap in the Caribbean, we just call it a pipe. Do you know what I mean? I don't know why my earring objected to that and flew out, but whatever. Um, so it is manifested in different ways. And I think that's where it all became complicated because then you have people who are not of a black background who are coming and going, well, I don't find it offensive. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm brown and this and that. And then half the time you don't even know what color these people are who are actually claiming to be black. And as we said, sort of whether you're black and Asian or not, you can still be anti your own people. So I think what's happening here is it's a lot more complex than people are, are you know, how the argument is going, basically. I mean, I mean it is, yeah. but it also is like, you know, with Danny Baker, for example, a guy really he's on the he's on the left wing of things, has has always been for a long time, but then tweets out a chimp picture thinking that's appropriate for, for Meghan Merkel's like child. So that's just old school racism coming from somebody on the left thinking it's okay because it's under the guise of comedic value or something. And there were people supporting him saying, oh, it's just a, it's just a mistake. But what was interesting is in the same way and the thing that reminded me of it, ironically wasn't the chimp, even though it has the similarities or the, uh, follows the same vein as the bananas, was the doubling down. Yeah. The actual process of people who think they're on the left and therefore immune to being racist because they have achieved nirvana, apparently, unlike the rest of us mere mortals, you know, they they get criticised or accused of racism and they double down hard and fast and there is no shortage of other enlightened souls who rush, rush, can't get out of there. They must be rushing to get there, tweeting us there, the Kermit gift, tweeting as fast as they can to come and defend this person who's fucked up and then fucked up again. And they will also come and fuck up with them. And I find the whole thing really, really odd. Instead of being able to, there's, there's no objectivity. There's no ability to stand back. There's no empathy. There's no ability to put yourselves in anybody else's shoes. It's all, and actually back to what you said, Holly, actually white, um, white centering. The only people who have emotions or feelings are, that are valid or worthy of note are white people. So anything else really, and that's what kind of happens every time. Anything else is pointless. Nothing else has any value. 
value. These women pointing out that Jamie Kay's original tweet. Oh yeah, um, it was about black boys and stabbings, yeah. wasn't it? That was that right? Yeah, we, we, we pointing that out that that was a pretty racist thing to say, and he got all in his feels, and he blocked her, and he, and she got attacked, and he disappeared, and but I mean that was what about the black people who were offended by that tweet? What about their feelings? I think you know? we have to talk about good faith because I think I spoke about it before. <laughs> there is none there as well. But that, that was not a good faith tweet. That guy said, what is it with black people and knives or black people and knife crime? So I had said, I was actually one of the people who responded to it. And I you had were. said, here's some articles, please go and read. This is a stereotype and this is, you know, and spoke about how they solved it in Glasgow where there's pretty much no racial disparity and whatever. The person wasn't interested. That's not what they wanted. They didn't want to have a conversation about knife crime. And sometimes I will answer somebody in good faith just to see where you're gonna take that. That was not what the intention was. This was somebody who wanted to cause a problem and didn't want to have an argument with me because I have a, not massive profile, but I have a profile. He didn't want to have the argument with me. So basically what he did was he took it to somebody else who was Judy Gattis and then started on her. And I don't understand at what point that anybody who identified as left-wing or claimed that they were, or a socialist, could see... I don't understand how it's come to this, to be honest. I really don't. I completely agree. I think it seems like it's got so, so far, considering the original problem was really cut and dried. Yeah. And it was really clear. There wasn't anything, I don't feel like you could like, oh, it was a little bit, there was a little bit, you could, you could misinterpret that, that was slightly differently worded. It was quite clear if you can read words and understand the English language. But doesn't it all... Deliberately being antagonistic, sorry guys. I was going to say, sorry, doesn't it all come down to what, what is the projection of Britishness in the end, really, yeah? With the Tory party trying to, trying to throw Union Jacks behind them. Um, and the Labour Party. And that, well, exactly that. We shared flags too, you know. Exactly, but exactly that. It's the reimagining of what is this when when the Labour Party has to do with and the Tory Party has to do with Brexit, non-Brexit. Um, what what is this new paradigm that everyone's everyone's going to have to imagine? And everyone's trying to imagine something. And a lot of what we're seeing is just a, a failure of imagination. Um, you know, we're seeing basically people looking back to yesteryear and saying this is what we're going to reachieve again even though the conditions are completely different. And a lot of that is about, you know, supernationalism um, and supernationalism, you know, wrapped up with not really having a, having space for anyone that isn't on that, on that particular page, really, or doesn't fit that particular profile. Like with, with the Labour Party, we've always had this issue of, well, you know, black and ethnic minority people are going to be blue collar workers, yeah, that, that they will naturally vote for Labour because they're blue collar. But what happens when they don't want to be blue collar or they're not blue collar, you know, there's no thinking put to, to that segment of society or to the narratives that are important to communicate around those issues. Do you think that some of this has arisen um, partly because of what happened to Labour in the last uh, election? Because it was simply, I mean, we didn't even get to midnight. And I know there was some high profile uh, people who had, who were from so-called left-leaning organizations going, right, that's it. We tried it their way. 
you know, I saw someone in the VAR media, I was absolutely shocked, was like, okay, we've tried it that way, we've got to get the red wall back, you know, no more of this uh, black nonsense anymore, no, man, no more of this Muslim nonsense anymore, this is what we need to do, and it's like Aisha said, it's like, they, they, they want to almost be the nicer version of the Tory party. Like, uh, you know, you're saying Tories are flag shaggers and they're like, we're Labour. We make love to our flag. It's almost like they want to be like a, a kind of gentleman. Trying to dine our flags first. Do you think the political landscape is what is affecting how this is going? Because if you, you if you, um, look at some of the arguments that these people are using, they are actually saying, a woman had actually said to me, one of my followers, well, isn't this funny? This is happening just before the May 6th elections. I was like, ever since the end of 2019, I've been telling you when it comes to voting day, it's literally gonna be coronavirus advice for me, stay home, I'm not even voting. So it wasn't even, it, you know, I wasn't conscious of it. Do you think, Tony, you had your hand up to say, do you think politics is affecting how we're interacting with each other amongst these groups? Um, no, actually, I, I don't. I, I, well, in, in one sense it is because I think that people's relationship to politics has collapsed. And so I don't think that Labour has the kind of social base anymore. It doesn't have the union base anymore. There, there is no collective base for Labour. So I think um, what, what changes in Labour doesn't really affect what goes on on the ground. I do think that people felt that crushing defeat in 2019 and didn't know what to do with it. But I think in terms of the behaviour that we're seeing, um, I think that's more to do with the fact that there isn't any real organised left anymore. Um, that, that you get people who have become sort of famous and people kind of um, float around those people. And that becomes a self-fulfilling thing. And I think it's really important to differentiate between online and offline, because if this was happening in my workplace, if people had been doing this in my workplace, we would sit down and talk and it would be talked about in good faith. We would resolve it. It wouldn't go on for a few months. I do think there is a peculiarity with people being very atomized and isolated on their own at home, talking to the world. Oh. Absolutely. If this had happened in my sort of sphere, people would be picking up teeth. Like no, but that's the thing. If it happened in a workplace, there would be workplace law to prevent you from putting banana skins on your colleague's desk or for completely ignoring the fact that they have racist jokes or for doxing them or for putting pictures of their kids up at work. What they're doing is absolutely outrageous. And actually there are laws. There are, actually, what are they doing is against the law as well. It's not just, oh, but also, <laughs> you know, but it's also against the law, but they're getting away with it because of the atomized nature of online and Twitter. Taz, you are a resident legal expert. What is what does the law say about this? I mean, it, well, it sort of depends on what what's being said. But there's the Malicious Communications Act, which um, which can be used. It's a very very wide piece of legislation, really bad law actually, but but it can be used almost any scenario to criminalise um, any any sort of behaviour or communications that lead to even somebody just feeling anxious. Um, so that that that's quite easy to weaponize. hasn't It hasn't been used very much. Uh, the three times that it was it was used by the um, by the uh, CPS, those cases collapsed. There's only been one successful prosecution around it so far, uh, despite it being around 2003. But it is some is a tool that's there and can be used. Um, there are there are others about straightforward harassment, really, um, in terms of doxing and pictures. There are 
um, you know, there's obvious defamation, there's racial issues in depending on what's been said. So there's, there's a whole raft of things that can be deployed. The problem is you're relying on mostly the police to uh, do something about it. And the police, you know, they're, they're, you know Pretty Patel's made sure that she's turned up at, at, at raids because they're very rare because she's decimated the police force. She's decimated the numbers of officers who, who've, um, who are available to actually look at these things. And, you know, there's an explosion in really serious crime, fraud and you know, it's exploding out of, out of the arena. And so the resources aren't there to actually give those tools any real, any real meaning apart from in the worst possible scenarios. So that's where somebody threatens your life or threatens to kill you, then the police will take that very seriously. Anything else is a bit harder. And there are, you know, practical problems around that as well, where people don't always use their names. They're using alter egos um, and they could be anywhere in the world. So that's another issue around that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank um, you. Yeah. I, that's the thing that I've noticed a lot on, um, let's, let's say Twitter, left, that there are a lot of, a lot of accounts that don't use their face. And I'm sure that that's for reasons so they can be unfiltered. But then I, I get why you'd want to be un, un, unfiltered in some ways and whatever else. But then also to use this profile with no, you know, where you could pr pretty much be anybody um, and then using that to, to attack. And I mean, really go in. Um, that's I, I'm finding that really dangerous and then I've also like I mean I've something that I, I've seen some stuff that that has actually got to a point like you know when you see people that are actually they're they're showing pictures of someone's child with abuse written there they're sending emails of like now they're sending emails of the bananas but not only that of like lynched you know and like dead people and dead black people well, it's from slavery, isn't it? It's a, yeah. it's a very much, you know, I think one of the, the tweets, it says something like these black people need to be put back in chains and yeah. that kind of thing. And there's like the, the, the lynching images of black men from America and stuff, and also slavery with the, the chains and stuff around your neck. That's a very strong message that is saying who that basically who the hell do you think you are? You know, I mean, there's so many messages that come with that as a black person. And of course, the distress which they are trying to cause because those images are going to be triggering to people. So is there a difference between them? And I mean, who is sending those images? I mean, I assume it's not your kind of the big socialist Sunday accounts. Well, no, ask Danny, ask Danny Baker, you know, <laughs> maybe. This is the thing. You know what I mean? Because I mean, if someone's yeah. sending that and also saying that they're the real anti-racist, I, my head I have would real uh, trouble with some of these massive accounts because I swear that half of their followers are um, uh, their own alt accounts. Because yeah. I can't see how 80,000 people are following that nonsense. I just don't get it. I really don't get it at all. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, in terms of... I mean, it really is... I can't see how you could support that in any way and decide. I think if you're a white person and you are talking and you're against or, or you know you're at odds with a group of black people and you are sitting there saying i'm the real anti-racist i mean you gotta you gotta can you not step out of that and take a good look at yourself in the mirror 
How does that make any sense to you whatsoever? And I do think also as well, the problem that we're having these days, uh, back to definition uh, that Tony spoke about earlier is, other people are defining what racism is. You know what I mean? It's like other people who are sitting there defining what Islamophobia is, other people defining what anti-Semitism is. And I think the rule in this situation is, it's got to be the people who are affected by it. Like I said, there's, there's words that I've missed in my life and not realized, oh my goodness, that's hugely offensive. Or something that I've grown up hearing an expression or something or other. So I think if you're trying to take the lead off the people who are affected by it, that's definitely a problem. Well, I think, I think there's a... Gonna... Yes. Oh, no, it's not relevant anymore. <laughs> we moved on. Are you in that I going to say. <laughs> there, is a, there is a problem. I think we're going to have to really learn how to deal with that as individuals because in terms of social media, that's not going away. And social media being being controlled or you know by by the companies is you know has been a good thing where where they've been taking off really racist sort of abuse but also we've seen that in the context of the israel palestine issue that's also being abused uh, by social media companies um and also with donald trump i mean as unpleasant as he is should the leader of the then free world have been de-platformed de it's, it's the amount of power there is quite quite scary um but all of this is going to be academic soon because we're going on to sort of blockchain technology where there's going to be decentralization and no way to remove content, really. No, no way at all to identify where the content has come from or to stop it in any way. And that, that's about to appear. So when, when that happens, we're just going to have to be, in, as individuals, resilient, really, um, because there's going to be no outside police force. There isn't one now. Yeah. What about a cabin in the woods with no internet connection? <laughs> How about that? Is it sounding more and more appealing? Do you really think there's any good faith actors? Like, no. I mean, I've been surprised. <laughs> I've been surprised at some of the people, some of them who I've met in life, who have turned around and gone, oh, this person's not a racist. Like, it, it, moving forward, like, what can we say? Because my point to people like this is, it's not for you to jump in and go, well, you can see there's a serious issue going on. You as a white person <laughs> to jump in and say, follow this person, they're really nice. It doesn't help. And saying that somebody is not perfect doesn't help. Nobody is bloody perfect apart from me. And everyone knows that. So I don't even understand why people are jumping in like that's a coherent argument to have we can all be at fault okay so that that happens because it's social media really the the risk the reward mechanism for social media is likes and support really so the minute you get any likes or support that's the whole ecosystem the whole economy of social media is that so i mean somebody might be might well not be you know racist they may well not be um you know a bigot in real life or in any other feel within their existence but when it comes to social media if they're getting likes for it they're getting a constituency they're going to run with it and so th that's one of the real issues that the, that the human race now has to deal with about what we've created this sort of this sort of environment for the id yeah it's not even the it's just the id it's the subconscious and it's let loose in this horrible way so taz and, you think that they're 
doing it, if, even if they know that it's not okay, they're just carrying on doing it for likes, or do you think that they don't? They are doubling down and they're doubling down in, in their heads too and they still don't see anything wrong with what was originally said? I think it's a dynamic of that. I mean, look, I'll give you an example. I, I, I um, yesterday was got into a bit of a dispute with some German fella, really, uh, about anti-Semitism. So I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not having a German tell me what anti-Semitism is no. or is um, when you know you should go and think no, about what your grandpappy was doing and sit in the corner for a bit, yeah. Um, and that, that's just wrong, right? I was wrong, really. Um, and I got into it a little bit, and then you know, making arguments that really you know that worked. And then I thought, you know what, actually, I'm just wrong. So uh, I said, look, I'm wrong, you're right, and I'm going to delete, delete my post, really. Um, and I think we just need to train people to to think about what they're saying and what effect they're having on other people and not run away with the argument and run away with the actual narrative. I know, but I think well, you have a different power dynamic or a different place because you're a brown man. White people just aren't about admitting they're right. They, they think they can define racism. They think they can define, you know, men often think they can define sexism. Like, I feel like there's a, there's, if you're in the position of power in these situations, getting people to admit they're wrong isn't that easy, well, as I'm, we've seen. But on social media, I can be a white little girl if I want to be. <laughs> or, or I can be a black man. That's who's... a show I'd pay to watch. But Yeah, I know, but, you know, the alter egos are infinite. You, you can pretend to be yes, whatever you want to be. But do you think, like, we're seeing a sort of gang mentality as well? Because it's just like the, you know, as you would see with the bullies at school, they just all start grouping together and they all start, you know... Oh, I'm going to defend my mate and I'm going to do this. I mean, I've tried to do a bit of what what I try to do is is to get people to look at it. So if I'm seeing a gay guy saying, well, hey, uh, do, 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 I'm like, how would you like it? Because I think people are inherently selfish. I think oh. people find it very hard to understand something that's not in their own, you know, just the box where they live. So you have people who I know who are excellent. Gay men I know are excellent when it comes to homophobia. They're horrendous when it comes to racism. So I think sometimes by drawing that comparison, sometimes, hi. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, how do you get these people to come out of it? Because they have got into such a gang mentality at this point. It just, it, it's, it's not making sense. The problem is it's part of the human condition. Yeah, there's lots of studies done on this in criminology um, around how people behave in groups yeah? yeah so when you get a group of people together the the, the absolute lowest denominator seems to be the guy who sets the tone for the group and there's reasons for that because of anonymity mainly because of a uh, or because of a, a shared responsibility for for so he wants one of my fags okay um uh, and anonymity around and diffuse responsibility because you don't feel responsible fully for what you're doing. Now, in in uh, in in these scenarios, we're online and that that's just let loose. So how do you how do you, okay? I don't know what's going on. In this group, but, um, how how do you bring that sense of responsibility, the police force, back into social media in a way that's cogent and can set the rules? That that is a that is a problem the human species will have to deal with. Sorry, Ed. If... Yeah. I think there's another another element to that as well, another dynamic in political circles, in that if you're on the left, for example, not exclusive to the left, but if you're on the left, you've kind of got a position where we're we're the better people. And 
what's good for us if we're good for everybody else then what's good for us is good for everyone else so you put yourself above someone else and then anything that's attack on you is an attack on kind of the greater good so if you're a big left-wing twitter account then you're promoting socialism therefore any attack on you is an attack on promoting socialism so that justifies actions that are questionable and and people think you know because we we want the best for everybody sometimes we'll do things a bit underhand but it's for, for everyone's benefit in the long run and that justifies more and more and but that's been a classic tale of um, what the left has done to black and Asian, oh, oh, black and Asian people though, is it's like, you know, your needs uh, come well down at the bottom of the list of the greater good and you need to actually be quiet, <laughs> uh, you know, and not make so much of a fuss. And so you can kind of see that manifesting itself on Twitter as well. Yeah. It's like, you know, um, that's more important than actually standing in solidarity with these black women that have been subject to the most awful racist abuse. And the thing is, like, what I've noticed, sorry, Ed, I've completely cut you off. <laughs> um, it's, I was just jumping in on that because um, what I have noticed is that there are a lot of um, left wing accounts that really have taken a stand and said, you know, these banana emojis and the people doing that, uh, you know, beyond the pill, they're disgusting, it's racist. But then um, there's been like a domino effect of um, vouching for other accounts. So it started with one account that said, you know, oh, they're not racist, they do that all the time. And then other white women from the left, big socialist accounts, they said, oh, that person's really good and, you know, they're great, follow them. And it's just like kind of like domino effects of legitimizing the racism. And yeah. so it's like kind of like this layer upon layer of no, they're a good person. No, they're fine. They're, they're a real anti-racist. They wouldn't have any trouble with that. And then it becomes this really awful thing where the actual offense has become so watered down. Is it to, is it about um, these big accounts rather than what's actually happened? Yeah. Mike, then, you know, sorry. No, go ahead. Mikey was going to say something. In real, life, in real life, when your friends being, let's say problematic, but what I really mean is a bit of a racist cunt, you pull them aside and you say, hey, that was wrong and I love you, but that was fucking racist and you need to apologise. What you don't do is ignore what's happening and then do a tweet saying, I know they're problematic, but follow them anyway, because they're amazing. Don't fucking do that, because you're doing your friend a disservice, yourself a disservice, and everything that you're currently trying to represent a disservice. I think we, we sorry, Aisha. I was just gonna say the coconut jive is minor. And as far as I'm concerned, as a black person, I have every damn right to call a coconut a coconut. Many times. That's into that's into black stuff. And uh, you that, know, go on. That's what I was gonna come on to and say, let me just intra-community conversation is not our business. It's mm -hmm. nothing to do with somebody who is not of that community. Mm -hmm. I had this massive argument with actually one of these big socialist accounts where she was trying to get me to talk about this Muslim male journalist um, and he was supposed to be sexist. Do you remember this, Holly? Yeah. And he did this and he did that. And then you started quoting the Quran to me and then you started talking about upper class Pakistani society. And I was like, I'm, I'm out. I can't, it's not, not none of my business. 
I don't have the knowledge to answer this and I'm not gonna start shouting at this guy when I don't know what you're talking about. Do you know but what it's I mean? Also, right, coconut means nothing. If a white person called me a coconut, I don't give a shit. It means, it literally means nothing to me because I'm like, you don't, it has no weight coming from a white person because you don't understand the layers and levels it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to me. It means nothing if a white, I would just think you'd overstep, they'd overstep the mark. You know, you've overstepped, it's not your place to be calling me a coconut. If a black person says it to me, it has the weight of their understanding and my understanding of their understanding. Does that make exactly. any sense? It's just like, you just don't have the history. You're not from that community. You don't understand. Do you know what I mean? I think there was a massive thing. We had a guest, Rivka Brown, and someone called her, um, uh, I'm not going to repeat it, but someone had called us. do you understand what I'm saying? That was a, a Jewish argument for you guys to have. That was a conversation for you guys to have. I, it's not my business. I'm not getting involved in that. And I think that this is why I wanted to bring up what I did before we got onto the Twitter argument about black more outside the community. You know, you'll see the Robinsons, you'll see the this, you'll see the that, that are always brought in. So somebody wants to call a black woman a coconut, if a black woman calls another black woman, that is her business. And I, I, I really do feel that there is a lot going on here where people don't know their place. They don't understand that you have no right in this circle. You have no right in that argument. That is between them. And I also find it pretty off-putting and pretty gross when if I'm a black person and all the other black people are over there and I'm here on my own with people who are sending banana emojis, I might want to look at myself. There's Maybe the real coconut there. My whole <laughs> argument against other black people is, hey, well, uh, my partner's white. We've all had black, white dick. It doesn't mean anything. What are you talking about? How is that? Got, what's that got to do with racism? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I just laughing because she's sitting on one now. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, but it's the truth. Like, how the what has that got to do with anything? How does your sexual partner, what's that got to do with anything? It's the most ridiculous, weak argument that I've ever heard. And I think if, if you are seeing people from, listen, I'm at the RVT, I host a show at the RVT. Those guys say some stuff that I'm not involved. I don't care what argument you're having. Don't drag me into it. It's got nothing to do with me. Do you know what I mean? And I think if people can respect that and give, and it take, goes back to what Holly was saying, that it's mainly straight white people who center themselves in absolutely everything, who cannot say, could not believe for a second, you know, that you're not to be included. Just step back, for goodness sake. It's like, I will sometimes tweet, okay? Like, I remember saying, oh, um, did any black people get given beef and dripping when they were younger, right? Oh, well, I'm from Yorkshire, I got it. Well, I know you guys ate it, that's why I didn't ask you. I was asking black people because I was just asking, I was talking about certain types of food and what crosses culturally and what doesn't cross culturally. And remember we had the whole conversation about Dettol baths and do you understand? I was just trying to figure out, you know, what we take from each other, what we share from each other. I honestly do wish there was a color bar and it was on frigging Twitter sometimes because sometimes you want to ask a question and you'll just have the, and it's always, white straight people jump in with an opinion specifically said i didn't ask you you go holly you're gonna say something what we got to I, was gonna say, Aisha, that your powers of um 
of multitasking are spectacular. Hello. All right, that's enough, Africa. I've got to do her head too. I don't know. I mean, Tony, you can say something. Yeah, I, I actually think one of the interesting things is that we've not been talking about racism on the left, have we? We're talking about racism. And I don't mean that in a glib way. Everything we've been talking about for the last hour is just racism. Uh, you know, talking about black people being spoken over, talk, talking about people not listening. And I'm sort of fascinated by that, that basically everything we're saying could be applied to left or right or people who aren't political at all. I don't know what the answer to that is because one of the things I was going to say is um, that, you know, there's always been quite overt racism on the left. Even back in 1968, you had Dockers going on strike to support Enoch Powell. But this new sort of media that we've got, which is allowing people's bad sides to come out much more explicitly, um, I don't actually know what the answer is there because it seems to me that because we're so atomized, you know, I think you were saying before, but you know, what can we do about it? The answer is nothing, because we're all individuals there. So we can either respond to everyone saying, hey, just listen to the black people a bit more, or we can block or whatever. But we're all doing that individually. And the one thing, you know, I'm an old guy. I've been online since the 90s, right? And the one thing you know is that no matter how many people you convince, no matter how many arguments you win, tomorrow someone new is going to come along and say, but banana emoji is not racist. And it all starts again. It's a real problem with social media. I don't know whether it's a problem of the left, but it is fascinating me how really what we're talking about is just racism rather I'll, than racism on the left. Yeah, I'll, I'll come in there, actually. I, I met a guy last year, or the year before, sorry, who was doing a PhD on Islamophobia um, from the different political parties, so Conservative, Liberal Democrats, Labour and UKIP. And I was very surprised because his research showed that actually the, all the political parties in terms of those associated with Twitter feeds were pretty much of a piece. Yeah. Um, UKIP was only slightly more uh, than the others, which was, you know, I, for me, it was surprising. But what it, what it showed is that racism or Islamophobia, whichever, whichever sort of particular flavor you want to look at, is part of the background radiation of humanity, really. And, um, and it doesn't matter what political bend you have, unless you have a particularly specific party that's particularly interested in racism, like, I guess, UKIP, which is only slightly overrepresented in the statistics. So we that came up with, um, with the anti-Semitism in Labour thing. When you actually looked at the numbers, the Tories, of course, were far more anti-Semitic than your average Labour member, of course, because you're far more likely to want to be a Tory if you're a raging racist than you are to want to be a member of the Labour Party. But obviously, and of course, the Tories had a huge amount of Islamophobia in comparison to the Labour Party. But of course, none of it was reported because it didn't behove um, Tories. <laughs> Holly, the Mikey. I'm going to go first, Mikey. Me? Yeah. I was just going to say, and like, I, I just, just as a thing um, with the with the bullying online as well. I think we also have a problem with stanning, and that's people. It, it's not just left wing kind of solidarity. You can't. There, there's some people just have. They literally have people that will attack anybody that ever says anything remotely even questioning them and that can cause pylons for absolutely no reason whatsoever and that's something that I see a lot as well like someone suddenly comes in with a disagreement and then they've got five or six accounts kind of piling on that person like like 
instantly going away from the argument and just calling them ugly or like showing them photos of themselves that they've dragged off of Facebook and things like that as well. And it's just in, like, like these nameless kind of minions that are there to try and shut you up because you're on the right track of actually making a point. And yeah. so, you know what I mean? And that stuff seems to happen a hell of a lot. It's because so many of these accounts, accounts seem to have another alt where they can be themselves diplomatically, but then they can be a really ugly, unfiltered version of themselves to come and get you, like a muller, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so do you think that we, yeah, so it's, like Tony said, it is straight up racism, really. It's just, we shouldn't really be differentiating between left and, and right. It is, it is racism. So I guess the best thing, oh, Holly, were you gonna say something? Sorry. Well, I was just going to say, like, back to an earlier point that I made, yeah, it is just racism. I think the problem with uh, being on the left is, is that there's this kind of false narrative about it being anti-racist. It's like anti-racists, you know, traditionally are on the left, but not all left people are truly anti-racist. But they kind of assume this mantle of anti-racism as part of an identity that's not actually based in much reality. And people sort of, you know, it kind of, calling yourself an anti-racist, like it feels good. It feels like the right thing to do. But a lot of, um, you know, white people, you know, that's not, racism is not their experience. And so as much as I don't want to sound like one of them theory knobheads, you know, like you get it on the left a lot. It's like, oh, you haven't read the theory. And it's like, yeah, working class uh, lived experience counts just as much as reading Karl Marx or Frederick Engels or whoever, like, because that's your experience. But as a white person, you don't have experience of racism. So you actually probably do need to do a bit of reading and, and heaven forbid, talking to black people and brown people about, you know, what it's like. And so, and I think that's also like, when it comes up to um, white people pronouncing upon what is and isn't racist, you know, they've just got this idea and they're really, my phone's going and it's really annoying. <laughs> but like that is- We're gonna have, I, I was gonna say, yeah, I mean, I think we've kind of talked it out. I will sort of, everyone can stay online if they want to, because we're like going on. Like this is the worst black woman hour we've done. This is like a proper black hour. This has been like two. Um, but I guess then going forward, all we can say in terms of that Twitter spat, for me coming out of this conversation, best thing that I could do is support the black women. And that's yeah. all I can really do. I don't see there's any point. I mean, you know, I've had it all flipping morning from these people. I guess, I mean, for me personally, and it's not for me to tell anybody else that, I wish that they would just block more and not answer more. Do you understand what I'm saying? I wish you wouldn't because me and Tony were talking earlier and it was just like, oh, they're just not, they don't listen to anything you've got to say. They don't take it on board. You'll answer and they go, well, you can't answer, can you? It's like, I just did. You just, you know what I mean? It's kind of all of that. And I think, I think, especially when you don't really know who you're arguing against because they're anonymous accounts and stuff like that. I think you just got to stop giving it energy after a little while, but it's not for me to say. Do you understand, like, if somebody is tweeting something about my kids, one day I could be fine about it, the next day it might hit me differently. So I think I just, you know, I would, I would like, I would like, um, 
I would like people to, to think about long-term well-being because this has been going on for a long, a long time for their own self, not for anybody else, for their own self. How is this, is this helping you? How are you feeling? Are you starting to feel depressed? Are you starting to feel frightened? Are you, you know what I mean? And, and if you want any help, there's all of us and there's people who you will recognize who've been allies towards you. And I suggest you go to them and ask for help in terms of tackling these people. And it's like you said, there's just, there's so much going on because it's not just, it's like Mikey said, they've got backup alt accounts and they've got all their WhatsApp groups as well. And there was a guy who came out not long ago who was very in that group, came out and said, look, this is what's really going on. There's an absolute crazy bullying campaign here. And I think, conclusion from all of this. Yeah, I think, well, there's something that Ben said earlier on. I don't think he um, managed to expand on that, which was uh, that on the left, it isn't inherently anti-racist. I was, I was hoping to get some a bit more about what that was about. I think there's just uh, a lot of grieving. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I, I was just thinking of people like the Fabians, um, uh, like Beatrice Webb, who were espousing the continuation of uh, imperialism along with um, social reform back home. And I think that strain in Labour has, has persisted to that day. Yeah. And it's interesting picking up on that point, like the Fabians are like the sort of intellectual middle class strain of labour. And so there's that kind of like that paternalism that goes along with that. Um, and interesting, like, you know, when you're looking at uh, empire, a lot of the people on the left were really supportive of the empire. And um, those that weren't supportive of the empire weren't supportive of it um, on anti-racist uh, terms. They were, supportive, um, they were not supportive of the empire because they didn't want white working class people fighting um, the elite's wars for them because on like, you know, on a matter of class exploitation. I know it's like slightly anachronistic to talk about anti-racism at that time because it wasn't really a thing. But, you know, like the idea that um, socialism and the left wing in the UK like arose as an anti-racist movement, it's just, it's, it's a historical. So what is the value proposition for the left? What is that to everybody else? Because we, we can have our disagreements because some people can be, you know, um, on certain topical issues, for example, you know, the Israel-Palestine issue, there's going to be disagreements. Um, but there has to be some, some value proposition that the left wing has that allows for those disagreements to take place within whatever context and then a, a medium to be found. But the problem that I'm seeing is that, well, what exactly is it the left stands for right now? Because there isn't a single value proposition and therefore there's no umpire, there's no debate, there's no discussion, there's just siloing of, of entrenched positions. And I think that's what our real issue is, what's the value proposition? I that's like why I asked what I was asking earlier, do you think like the way the political landscape is, is having a sort of trickle down effect on, on people because there is no real, people haven't got anywhere you know, say what you want to say about Corbynism, but for that moment, there was a lot of different groups that were together. And now it, it, it's nothing. Ed? Mm. I think that's where, on top of 
the obvious solidarity you have to show people experiencing racism. I think as a white person who, who wants to show solidarity and build a movement for, for kind of making people's lives better, you obviously show solidarity with anybody who's experiencing anything. But I think one of the things that's kind of, for me, that needs to be done, and one of the things I've always wanted to do really throughout the Labour Party is try and build an organisation that's better and people don't experience this. So in the Labour Party, I'd go to meetings and, and you'd see people groaning when women were talking about misogyny or you'd see, you know, eyes rolling when people are talking about homophobia and all that sort of thing. And I think what um, we need to do on the left is build an organisation that's not like that, just build something better. We need to, I think that's one of the things I want to kind of get involved in is just trying to, all, I, I look at these other organisations and say that, I look at some of the stuff that's happened with some of the new parties and how they've handled accusations of discrimination. I just think, what are you doing? And now I want to get involved in something and just say, let's not do it badly. Let's just do it how it should be done. And that to me is, is kind of the next step is, is to show how it should be done instead of, um, not instead of, but as, as well as fighting the people who are doing it badly. Mm. Mikey? 100% with Ed there. And Ed, I think that 100% you like, like I know that you're probably talking to like the new things as well and, um, and, really do need that and i'm glad that there are actually there's actually a couple out there that are willing to listen and are actually showing solidarity with the girls as well which i was really pleased about but then also look the left movement on twitter at the moment i feel like are uh, it's literally like last of the summer wine kind of world war ii nostalgia for corbyn years it's mm. gone it's over like, and I'm sick to death of saying, oh, Corbyn would have done that better. Oh, Corbyn would have done that better. Here's the fact. Corbyn would have been out after one person died of COVID. We know it. Like, he wouldn't have lasted two minutes because they would have brought him out of it. So, I'm re like, instead of just reminiscing on 2015 interviews with Corbyn or Corbyn's speech, like, yes, great guy, great movement. But I'm sure, like, the guy's, look, he's campaigning to get his seat back and whatever else. You've got an entire youth movement that wants to do something else. We don't have to all just sit around the campfire all day listening to somebody's interviews with Corbyn from 10 years ago. It doesn't matter anymore. It's changed. Yeah. And we can either <clears throat> die on the hill of a bed knobs and broomsticks kind of style, let's all love World War II slash that top great old time in 2017, or we can move on and like actually build something different. But if you do want to stay there and revel in your little, you know, self kind of congratulatory little group, you're not doing any favours for progression. It's done. 2017 is over. 2019, it's over. We need to change something and make something different. Just please don't associate yourself with new things and just poison it with your 2000 and whatever early on stuff. That's my kind of end, really. Sorry. Yeah, and Tony, do you want to end? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I obviously things have got really bad since 2019, but it, it, that was the blip. You know, politics in this country has been collapsing for a long time. You know, we all know that Labour's vote has been going down and down and down, and it just went up a little bit more in 2017. I, I said earlier that I think people's relationship with politics has collapsed. So my, my view tends to be there's no actual point in setting up, say, a new left-wing political party, because that's just a hollow shell. My view is we need to be getting really stuck into local campaigning, whether that's anti-racism, immigration rates, housing. And, and from that, 
once you once you show people that you can be trusted to actually listen to them, that can then lead to a new kind of party. Unfortunately, I think if we keep building these top down things, and we've seen it for the last 20 years, Socialist Alliance, Respect, Left Unity, Tusk, all these people who build nice political parties and then don't do anything between elections and then they get 200 votes or so if people could really start getting into local campaigning where people learn to trust them and where you learn about them you know where we learn what racism really is and i think that's the future i agree i agree i couldn't anyone got anything else to add i'm i think britain's just forgotten how to get votes as proved by eurovision really <laughs> not a bad thing that is the best way to end. Uh, thanks, guys. This has been the longest Black Woman's Hour we've ever done. I'm going to stop recording, but if you guys want to talk, stay and talk, it's, it's fine. Uh, I'll just say goodbye to the audience. Uh, bye, audience. Thank you very much for watching another Black Woman's Hour. We will be back with God knows who, because I've been very disorganised, but you're going to love it. <laughs>